an abundance of caution. We bring you episode two of Rinky Dinking. And we welcome our new sponsor as the podcast is now thrilled to be known as Rinky Dinking, presented by Choctaw Casinos and Resorts. Thank you, Choctaw. I feel big time now. And this season is feeling episodal and sequential and a bit soapy. So let's get going on this one. Embedded with the team on the road is the Billy Baldwin-looking Jeff Totes. That hair is getting some real salad qualities to it there. How's it going, JT? It's good. I'm emanating from snowy Columbus. All right, we'll get more into the road and you. Do you know who Billy Baldwin is? I don't. Yeah, I was like I Googling I that figured right that now. one went right over your head. And the man who is the people's conduit, if you will, Mike Heike. Mike, I trust you have sterling content this week as usual? Yes, I've, I've always considered myself a tool for the fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, dad it's... comedy right there. That's what that is. All right, let's start uh, with the... I'm bringing it. Oh, I'm... Whoa, hold, whoa, whoa, whoa stop right. down. Mike, yes, interject. That's all I had. Oh, wow. What a stop down that was. All right, let's get started with the road. Uh, first, a, a delayed start, then a rough start on the road in North Carolina. They were supposed to start in Florida way back when, and then COVID hit, and COVID actually crushed the little canes a little bit too. So that was... What we were dubbing, instead of being the crucible on tobacco road, we were dubbing it the, the COVID antibody cup. And uh, at the end of it, well, we'll get into that as we get going. But they, first off, they set a new low for mustered up shots in a game. New Dallas Stars low of 11. And that edged the previous low set in 2007. I'm wondering if you were there for it, Mike, in uh, San Jose back in 07. And they were coming off a 5 nothing shutout victory in Anaheim. There was a day in between. And then they took on Joe Pavelski and the San Jose Sharks. They got outshot 39-12 to and won the game 3-1. to it, it sounded very 2007 when you, you look back at it. I remember the game. Like, Marty, it was, it was larceny from Marty Turco is what it was. They had no business winning that one. And they get two goals from Mike Madonna and 38 saves from Marty at the tank, and they, they win it 3-1. to one. They were rare. Those games were rare. They usually were out shooting people. Uh, but, yeah, they could throw those in there, and they had the goalies who could save them. Um, you know, it, it was impressive. I, you know, I, it's funny. I remember uh, Eddie always used to complain that he had too few shots against because he couldn't get into the game. And, and you know, games right. like that, I, I do think some goalies love it. I, I think Anton doesn't mind it at all. Well, yeah, he faced 40 last night. The, the, the tank was awesome. Back in those days, the Stars would play their best hockey in San Jose, and then the Sharks would play their best hockey in Dallas. And it, it was like the road team advantage. And, and you're right. It was goaltending. You know, Nabokov would come back the other way and stand on his head in Dallas. And then it'd go the other way. I think Turkle loved playing at, at the tank. But they had 12 shots and won the game. And they did not win the game the other night 
in in Raleigh. They they didn't really uh man oh man. They they didn't muster much in that one at all along with just shots. And uh, they lose that one, but the next night, the next night they get the captain back and impact. And Mike Heike wants to yell at a cloud regarding his hit on Jordan Stahl. Mike. I'm just asking, you know, I try to be the fair guy, right? And, and, and I know some of the Carolina folks weren't happy. I think Jordan Stahl made a, uh, a bit of a snippy comment about it after the game. Oh, he did. Yes, he did. Oh, do he, tell. Uh, he just didn't think it was necessary. Uh, I don't think he called it cheap. Uh, but uh, he didn't understand why Jamie would be hitting him. He didn't think the puck was anywhere in the area. <laughs> so, and that's what he got called for. He got called for interference. Um, yeah, there was a my, penalty on the play. Yeah. I mean, yeah. My question to you is, is the league or fans, are they getting softer? Because I'm an old guy. I actually like that stuff. I think you and me and Luds understand that Sevy will say the same thing. You know what? Sometimes you got to, you know, you got to take a shot that's a little bit on the edge and, and get your uh, get your team off the bench. And uh, Rick Bonus liked it. I know that much. Ask young Mister McCormick of the Hurricanes if he thinks the league's getting soft <laughs> after he got buckled uh, along the boards and knocked out of game number one after knocking his goaltender out of game one. That looked like a broken collarbone uh, on a on a you know Blake Blake plays hard. He he practices the same way he plays games. It was nice to see him back in the Stars lineup too. Look. The, the game was not going well again for the start. That, that's what they didn't get the night before. Like, they, they were going along, and nothing was going well. And I stated on, on our award-winning broadcast from a room at American Airlines Center that, that somebody needs to, to inject something into this game. Like, they, they need a paradigm shift. They, they, need, they need something to alter the direction because at the time – they weren't getting anything going offensively. They couldn't skate. They didn't seem to have any emotion in the game. They couldn't kill a penalty. And and then the game ended. Nothing really happened. So last night, second period, they took the, took the penalty, got through it. And, uh, you know, Jamie has a huge hand in, in a couple of goals. So it was it was important. And and I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I, I, I like the edgy stuff. I like the emotion. And there was a lot going on, a lot being said, especially north of the border, uh, about the officiating so far this year. I, I never bellyache that much about the officiating. I think it goes both ways. But it seemed the issue they were having is that there, there are a lot of calls that were, I don't want to say ticky-tacky, which is very cliche and not a very good little phrase. But the, anyway, the, the, it feels like they're, they're looking for things. Instead of just watching for infractions, they're actually looking for stuff. And at times, maybe even inventing calls. Like, even the one in overtime that put the stars on the power play, like, <laughs> I'm watching and I'm like, I'm like, there's no hook there. And, and the one that bugs me the most, I get slashing on the hands. I, like, I, I, I get that. But you, you better actually take a lumberjack slap at, at a guy with your stick. Because if you just touch his, his gloves... I mean, they're wearing protective gloves for a reason. Like, if, if we're going to do that, then the guys should be able to play in their bare hands. They can never touch their, their knuckles and their little fingers and their appendages. Rant over. Mike, go ahead. <laughs> I'm with you. I don't like that ticky-tack stuff either. It's one of my favorite phrases in hockey. Uh, it would be. It would be. No, well, I, I'm with you. 
and hopefully they're rusty too, and they're going to settle into whatever kind of. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. That is no. a good point, Michael, because uh, you know we're not traveling. The players obviously travel well on on chartered flights, and that these guys are running around on commercial flights and and uh, different cities. Although they're they're trying to limit the travel as much as they can. Uh, yeah, it, it it can't be easy for them. You're right. Well, it wasn't easy in Raleigh on the weekend overall. Yesterday, what a stinging example of the importance of every game versus your division this season, huh? Didn't you think? Oh, yeah. Well, so, and this whole, the other thing that I'm getting is even in, within a game, I forgot just how much your opinion of your team changes and your state of calm changes. Because uh, they, they looked like, okay, we're, you know, we finally got it back. We're the Dallas Stars again. And then boom, zing, and it's an overtime or a shootout loss. Well, yeah, but beyond the, the style points, the Stars hold late, league in, or, or late lead in regulation and it equals splitting four points on the weekend if they can hang on to that one goal lead. And then Nino yeah. Niederreiter went all Nino and <laughs> pasted that thing to the top corner. Okay, Stars score on the power play in overtime, and they take two of five points on the weekend. They win in the shootout. Same thing. They take they take a uh, they 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 build up some uh, points on the weekend, two of five. But instead, those things don't happen. They lose the shootout and end up with only one point. While the Canes get four over two games. Boom, three point swing in the division. Yeah. Crazy, and, isn't ag- it? and against a team, I, in my opinion, that they're going to be fighting for positioning, oh, whether that absolutely for first in the division or second, and then does that change who you're playing in the first round? And yeah, yeah, there's a lot that's going into this, and it's going to be interesting as the season goes on. It is uh, just striking, though. In a matter of what did that take? Half an hour for that to change from a nice little split for them, and off to the Buckeye State they go, and instead, oh my God, we got one of all the points. Hmm. Ouch. Yeah. And then again, you could have, you know, maybe put a little bit of uh, doubt into Carolina's head. And now they're going forward with all the confidence in the world to hopefully or for their sake, hopefully collect more points. Yeah. Um, bit of a missed opportunity, too, with the number of guys that were out COVID yeah. on their side. You know, Slavin is so important to them. Uh, well, defensemen, they lose a couple but, players with injuries in the first game. Yeah. And, yeah, just, it, would, it would have been a nice opportunity to just, you know. Well, I remember, you know, Rick uh, Bonus was saying heading into the the season like you come across teams that are either injury ravaged or dealing with covid you, you can't you you have to win those games yeah, and it, hey they got a point out of it but they that really felt like a game that that they needed to win outright but yeah. we'll see at the end of all this hey how is uh, being back on the road for you guys totsy uh it's good it's nice to be on the road nice to see snow right now but it doesn't feel at all like it has in years past, as I'm sure you know. It feels a lot like what we were doing in Edmonton in the bubble, just a mobile form of that in terms of being stuck to the hotel, having a team lounge in the, within the hotel, and uh, really just killing time with Netflix and video games. So it's not exactly the true road experience that I've enjoyed the past couple of years, but it is nice to be back kind of in that, in that groove and around the guys. Is it uh, strange, though? I mean, as much as you guys were on the road in Edmonton, you were at home in Edmonton. Uh, so to be back uh, in hotels and they're not allowed to mingle with one another like they 
would have in the bubble, I suspect. Although you haven't come out of your little little gerbil hole today, have you? No, I haven't at all. No. Um, yeah, I guess it is a bit stricter than it was in Edmonton because it is in a public place technically. Uh, so a big part of the past couple of days has just been figuring out those protocols. Um, and we have the testing people <laughs> traveling with us who are doing daily testing and kind of helping everyone figure out, along with the medical staff, what our day-to-day has to look like on the road. Because it is a lot different and it is very strict. As we saw with what happened with the Washington Capitals, they're taking protocols very seriously. Mike, tough for you not to be back on the road? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it is. I like winter. Uh, I grew up with winter. Uh, I miss winter and I get winter when I get to go on. I thought you were saying, I like winter. I like winter. (laughs) You loser. (laughs) Yes. No, I'm like... We're so lucky to be in the places we're at when the snow's falling and, you know, you get to go to your hotel, you get to ride on a bus and not have to deal with the traffic and all that kind of stuff. But to be in Chicago when it's snowing or New York or Toronto, it, it's just really neat. Yeah, Columbus, to be in Columbus. Oh, my God. Mike Heike, the James Joyce of <laughs> NHL beat writers. Truly one of the team, I guess one of the struggles of this first trip is not having hikes here. I think all the guys are a little bit rattled to not see that reassuring presence. They're on the plane, they're on the bus. Well, the stars miles traveled are going to be trimmed severely this year. 56 game schedule instead of 82 and division only. For years, the stars had top three at least travel in the NHL, you know, 45 to 50,000 plus miles. Uh, and uh, this year it's down to 15,630 miles that they'll travel. And of course, you're, yours truly and the great Rinky Dinking podcast and Dallas Stars broadcasting, zero miles this season. What, uh, you remember those days back in the Pacific, Mike, when – they had to rack up all those miles cruising around California and all over, yeah, along with the rest of the league, and then they'd still win the division. Yeah, they were. I, mean, I think they actually embraced it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being in California in the wintertime. Um, and so I, I really do think they, they enjoyed that. The other one that was funny to me were those Western Canadian swings. Like, that, yeah, was, rough, were, that was rough travel, yeah. and they just seemed to love it. Yeah, they excelled up there. Well... Uh, they're going to have to learn how to excel on the road this season, starting in the Buckeye State, because they didn't exactly do it on Tobacco Road. Uh, so Columbus this week, two games. The Pierre-Luc Dubois saga and trade is what the Blue Jackets love has been all about. Uh, it was, I mean, we touched on it, but the kid's desire to be traded, he signed, stated his demand, played, pouted, and then ultimately was dealt to the Jets. Uh, you know what came to my mind, Mike, uh, first off? I, I couldn't believe there wasn't more Mario Lindros comp talk when this was going on. I didn't hear anybody really bring it up. Now, it was, it was a little bit different with Mario Lemieux and Eric Lindros, but Lemieux was my draft and, uh, in 1984. And maybe people forget because he's just such an icon in Pittsburgh now and, and owner of the team. But he refused to go to the floor at the draft and put on the jersey and shake then general manager Eddie Johnston's hand. And that was a contract dispute. Pittsburgh was bad. That's how you get the first overall pick. And the 
Mario said something to the effect of the Penguins don't want me enough. <laughs> like he actually said it to the media. They they don't want, they took him first overall, but they don't want me enough because they're not willing to sign me for enough. Do you remember that? I do. Yes, and it. I mean, it is funny. Part it was it, shocking, not funny well, at the well, time. Part, part of me is I love newspapers and reading newspapers and and getting the news. You know, what are uh, these newspapers you speak of? <laughs> I know that you speak of. And we we made big deals about things. Like it was a huge stuff yeah. that, that yeah. writers could just have an opinion on, and and the poison pen of Tim Kalashaw could come out or whatever. Um, and it doesn't seem like we have that now. It's more just like a, a quick bite on Twitter about things. Um, but yeah, well, just that a race and, to get it out there, isn't it? Yeah, that's true too. And you don't have the opportunity to, you know, really dig in and say this is terrible. <laughs> Pull out the the full the, uh, the, the, the full the drawer of knives. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but the Lindros one to me, that was well, that was yeah. the, the worst. Uh, that was an absolute power play at the draft. He refused to go to the Quebec Nordique. Uh, he sat in the stands. Uh, he went back to the OHL, and he got his wish. When he got traded, was it the following summer he got traded at the draft, or was it before that? I was trying to remember. We should probably use remember. the tools that are available, like Google. Uh, but there were like five or six players, including Peter Forsberg and goaltender Ron Hextall. And I think a couple of, at least a couple of first round draft picks. I don't think it was more than that. And some cash, like millions, uh, like lots of millions, like in the teens. And what, three or four years later, the Nordique were the avalanche. And Lindros was a power phenom in Philadelphia. Yeah. And if memory serves me, weren't, weren't the Rangers in on that too? Weren't they trying to get him? They may have. I, like I said, I, I'd have to go back on Google and, and look at all that kind of stuff. But I just remember it was such a, it was just such a circus. Uh, and the fact that hey, players have power, and they can they can tell organizations what they want and what they need if you're a superstar player. But it was, I mean, nobody was doing that time. Like, no, no, like you were going nobody... to hell. You were happy to have the the jacket. <laughs> like that's who the superstar players were before that. Even Wayne. He never held up the organization. No, 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 no. Not not outward and, and publicly the way those two went down. So the the Dubois situation truly awkward, and you know that was one thing. Like both Mario and and uh, Lindros, they had they didn't have to go out there and play with guys immediately, <laughs> like immediately, yeah. right? Whereas Dubois. I didn't understand it from the get-go. I'm like, man, this is this is not going to be good internally. And, uh, you know, they tried to get through. I, I'm watching their games because they're a divisional opponent now, and I'm thinking they don't look the same. Like, they they, they got to fix this situation. Uh, you know, you got a teammate who wants different teammates, and he's one of your go-to guys. And ultimately, they they made it happen, and there is some talk that, the guy coming the other way, one of the guys coming the other way is a, a Columbus kid, uh, Jack Roslovic, and the other one is Patrick Laine. And I, I think he's going to debut tomorrow night against the Stars, is he not? Uh, I, I don't know if he's playing tomorrow or if it's Thursday, but I know that his okay. first game is going to be against Dallas. But one of the – uh, he's going to play. Yes. And he's, he's probably looking at the schedule and just thinking, oh, this is dreamy. 
18 that goals team. in 17 games. That's a pretty nice setup. I got to oh. give Columbus a lot of credit for taking care of this quickly. Uh, yeah, it can I fester. agree. And yeah. one, to get a good I think they result. saw that, though, don't you? Yeah. They I, I think they saw that, oh, my God, this is, this is like a disease within our group. Yeah, and I mean, I look at things like the Lions and, you know, how they made their trade quickly, and I think it helped out a lot. Yeah. Stars, I can't think of any player, young or old, off the top of my head that has wanted out of Dallas. Can you? No. Uh, like, there are players. If that anything, the it's the opposite. Out of, yeah, it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, they I all mean, want to come want to here. Yeah, they Sean, have for a- years. Sean Avery or Mike Ribeiro. I think the organizations wanted them out, but yeah, I don't think anybody has really said, "Yeah, I don't like this organization or this city." Yeah, those are more like what went on in New York with the Rangers this week. Yeah, oh which is goodness. a completely different story. But um, so, st- sticking with the Stars, uh, the b- bunch of first rounders rounding out the Stars roster this year has been uh, you know quite impressive opportunity obviously with some injuries and just the way things are unfolding and but every get this every first round draft pick since Jack Campbell the goaltender is now uh, back up with the Leafs uh, they they took Jack in 2010 every That's one not- of the first round draft picks since Jack uh, started with the club in some form this year, except for Val Nachushkin, Tufty, and Maverick Bork, who they just selected last summer. Every one of the first-round picks, either on the taxi squad or on the squad this year. Isn't that something? Yeah, it's really impressive. Uh, it's funny, too, because I, I, I talked to Jim Nill about this the other day, and, and he doesn't – I don't think he takes it personally when people criticize it because he understands the process – but, you know, when a guy like Nachushkin or Honka don't stay with the team or, or don't flourish, uh, the fans and the media are, are going to give it to the organization. And then now you start looking down and you're just like, it's one after another after another. And Craig Button always said, you know, if, if you can hit on 50%, you're doing good. And, and right now they're at Of your first 70. round draft picks or your picks? Yeah, of your first round picks. He was yeah. saying that if you can get a Jamie Benn, that almost becomes a first-round draft pick, so you kind of get a little bit of leeway in, the, in that draft. Uh, but he's saying if you can get two guys who play for you out of a draft, that's actually pretty good. And the Stars are definitely doing that right now. Well, you look, so you got Jamie Alexiak, who they, they had to groom in Pittsburgh and bring, bring back again, <laughs> uh, but is playing fabulous. He's everything they, they thought he was going to be when they took him in the opening round and. 2011 uh you have Radic Foxa uh who's just a you know you know he's one of those guys that just is a glue in the middle of your lineup uh they traded they they traded Yarmer Yager and they, at that time they weren't big on doing that and picking up a draft pick they just kind of let it play itself out but they they dealt him to the Bruins and ended up getting a draft pick that turned into Jason Dickinson uh, they get Dennis Gurionov. They get two in 2017, Haskinen and Jake Ottinger. Hey, hey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Ty Delandria in 2018. Ta-da. Yeah. yeah. It's it funny, and, t- and talking to Jim, he, he delights in the two conditional draft picks because Yager 
uh, went was supposed to be a second rounder. It got elevated when Boston uh, won. They had the, to make I guess, the conference yeah, final. Conference finals. Well, they beat Toronto in the first round in Game Seven when Toronto had a four-one third period lead, and then Boston rallied, and that ended up giving Dallas the pick that they took Jason Dickinson with. And then Ottinger was a Patrick Eves pick, mm-hmm. and it was conditional as well. And again, uh, it moved up to I think. Uh, 29 or something like that and then uh jim jumped a f- jumped forward a space or two to to get ottinger because he really liked him uh but just well it wasn't like just that. because he really liked him it was because they had an inkling that i think st louis was looking at at him at 31 st louis had two first round draft picks uh that that year and and uh, it was like man we can't wait for the second round he's not going to be there so they make the deal and and jump up and grab him which I find awesome. I love that. Yeah. I love aggression at the draft. <laughs> I do too. I wonder I really who whispered. Do. I wonder who whispered into Jim Nill's ear. Somebody who knows Doug Armstrong, who might have goalie information, and say, "Hey, you want to move up a, a spot or two to get this guy?" I, don't know. I was huh, on. Look at that event. I was on a beach in Canada. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. This franchise has really been carried for some time, it seems, by late picks of their own. Right, yeah, uh, and, and other teams' high picks. You you think of guys like Turco and Ben and Klingberg, who are like mid draft draft picks that looked and played and pl- are playing like first round, like high first round draft picks. And then you know players like Sagan and Spezza and Kari Lettinen, who were really high draft picks who they acquired from other clubs. So. You know, it takes it takes a mix. It takes a village, Mike. <laughs> it really does. It's a and hockey I, quilt. I, it's a hockey yeah. quilt, Daryl. So many little patches that come from so many different places. Oh, I know. It really is a quilty thing. Uh, Ottinger's first start was fun to watch. You know, he, he got the mop up stuff up in the bubble, but that that's not the same. It's too bad it wasn't a packed house, but it was nice. You know, the family nowadays they fly your family in, and uh, you know, you, you get to all experience it to get together. That wasn't the way it went when I had played my first game, Mike. That you want to hear the story of my first game? I would love to hear it. Did so they give you a jacket? For, no, they give you nothing. <laughs> the they give you a paycheck or a portion of your paycheck. But I, I'm playing for Hitch in junior in in Canada, and they have injuries. Uh, back then, I was drafted by the Oilers in '84, so this is '85. I'm I'm not even pro yet. And both Moog and Fuhrer have have been injured, and I think they had injuries in with their minor league uh, net minding too. Might have been Mike Zanier. Anyway, they they had obviously they had to go deep on the depth chart <laughs> as they summoned me from Kamloops, and that I mean that day they came in, kicked me in the pads in the morning. I didn't think I was going to play it. Marco Barron was the other goaltender. He was terrific to me. And I figured he's playing, and he come kick me in the pads. You're playing tonight. It was against Winnipeg, and this is in the spring. And uh, I get out there, man. I I I I will never ever forget that moment. It's like it it's just burned on your mind. I could see my my cage just shaking in front of me, right as they get to center ice for for the opening draw. And I I mean it's packed. It's at uh, Northlands Coliseum in Edmonton and I'm just like I can't believe I'm playing in the National Hockey League. Like last week I was I was in Moose Jaw 
and now I'm I'm in this one. So uh, the the Oilers must have looked and said, apparently this is a night off. We got a junior goaltender, so uh, they they didn't really get out of neutral, and uh, we got outshot by a healthy margin. Uh, gave up five, in, including two to now Stars general manager Jim Nill. And I believe it was his fourth and fifth or fifth and sixth of the season. <laughs> so he delighted in a young uh, Daryl Ray uh, for his cookies. And Dale Howarchuk, the late Dale Howarchuk, scored the goal of the week on me. So he undressed a few Oilers and then pounded one past me. So I made, you know, I made the highlights at the end of the week. And, uh, and then a few days later, I was back in junior hockey riding buses again. For how long? All. For what do you mean like- how long? But for between your first and second game, what was that span in days, months, years? Oh God, it was it was years, you know. Wow, it was years after after that. I think God, my next one was in. I think it was at Madison Square Garden in New York in like '87. So it was a couple years. Uh, so Ottinger's going to get a chance. He wins his <laughs> first one first. They score yeah. seven goals for him, which helps. I would have won mine too if the Oilers had done what they regularly did back then and against the Jets, scored seven, but no. Uh, we got outshot, like, I think it was like 36 to 18 or something at home. Thanks. Thanks for the effort, guys. Thank you. <laughs> they didn't want to support the young kid. My God. I wouldn't either. I think they played in fear of me. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, uh, again, a reminder that. Uh, Rinky Dinking is sponsored by Choctaw Casinos and Resorts, who invites everyone from uptown to downtown, the suburbs to the small towns, to get out of town for a different kind of night out. You know what I mean? Choctaw Casinos and Resorts, exclusively for everyone. You know, it's hard to fly to Vegas right now. Why not just take a drive? Drive See, there there you go. You're helping sell it. Good job, Mike. <laughs> uh, speaking of selling things and uh, and checking it out, Stars broke out the new unis, the uh, or one of the new unis, the blackout uniforms the other night at home in Jake Ottinger's debut. And uh, what did you think? They were. I bright. actually, I, I actually like them. They're not at my demographic. I, I no, they are not. They are you not, know, Mike. Like, no. it's the college football. The Winter Classic was your demographic. I Mike. love the Winter Classic. <laughs> they, I, I did, too. I, th- yeah. I, thought they, I thought they were spectacular. Th- these are, are so radical and different, and, and yet, man, it's the same thing as when we first changed to the Victory Green. The highlights come on TV now, and you immediately know who's playing. You, you know who that is. There's so many red, white, and blue teams. Although I was pushing for red, white, and blue for the stars back in the day, uh, but the, these—I mean, my goodness—it's like a, a highlighter out there against a black backdrop. I—I uh, I, I think they're great. The one—the one problem I had is that our netminders either haven't yet or won't get into the spirit of the thing, and you know, have the curtains kind of match the drapes or, or the carpet match the drapes, uh, curtain match the drapes. <laughs> Uh, with with these things, because it, it 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 would look just spectacular. I mean, striking if the mask, the gloves, the pads have what is known as skyline green. It's not neon green. People are going to want to call it that. 
Did you know that that actual neon is red? No. Whoa. Yeah. Well, it is. And then it can be any then, color, right? Yeah, but neon, neon, is is red. Interesting. So, there you go. But I so they they so have those ones. They're going to be which, wearing these for a while. Shouldn't you, you know, shouldn't you help them with the goaltending choices and get them all decked out? Like this, well, this, I think they're wearing them, what, eight, 10 times in a yeah. season? So let's get them yeah. going. I, I, I think Big Ben Bishop into that stuff, but he's injured. Uh, Anton's <laughs> got to get into it. And they, who's that? That was me. Oh, my God. Not COVID, is it? Ew. It might, might be. Uh, yeah. You got a mask you know, on? Ben, Bishop, ben Bishop would be a good choice. I mean, he did the whole dinosaur thing. He's got plenty of time on his hands. Yeah. 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 Well, I did my part. Yeah. I, I was I was blacked out. So my attire, not the show. <laughs> Although there's an issue with that too, apparently. Uh and then we have the we have the retros coming, uh, which are gonna be the polar opposite of that. I I'm looking forward to seeing those things in action too. Cause they are I mean, they're snowbank white, and uh, I think I think guys can can probably sneak around the rink a little bit. It's like camo. <laughs> it's hockey. It's it's hockey camo that they'll be wearing. Brett Hall so. would uh, would love them. He always wanted to <laughs> see the would. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So they'll wear uh, they'll wear them at home. Uh, the only uh, and they'll wear victory green at home uh, as well, and. Uh, Right now, home teams are absolutely dominating Mike Ica, which is a real departure from the recent trend. I, I remember we had the note when, when the teams were up in the bubble, and obviously there was a feeling of no home ice advantage. They were all playing in the same rinks in Edmonton and Toronto. But even, even prior to that, I think over a, I think we had it at a three-year window where there, there was no – there was no home ice advantage at all. It was it was five hundred, uh, home and road, which is which is weird because it used to be different, right? Like you used to have a home ice advantage. Like Reunion Arena was a home ice advantage. The ice was an advantage. The fans were an advantage. The the tent after was an advantage. Yeah, all of it was, uh, but. We had it the other night. I don't know what it is because I haven't updated it because I'm lazy. But we we had it the other night where home teams were like in the, in the uh, central division, the Stars division, were like 85 percent successful, and yeah, home teams overall heading into the Saturday game, so the weekend set in Carolina, home teams this season were 71, 30, and 12. So they're winning 68 percent of the games. Last season, it was at 60%. The year before, it was uh, basically 51%. And the year before that, it was exactly uh, 50%, or 500. 555, 548, and 168. Yeah. Unreal. I, so I don't have any, why. Expo- yeah, I don't do. have any explanation for this current uh, surge, uh, but I do believe that the fact that it went closer to 50% is because all the buildings look and feel so similar. Uh, even the, the visiting dressing room, it feels like a home dressing room now. It's, it's spacious. and uh, That's true. You got, you got your own training room. You don't have you Scotty got, painting the dressing room just before <laughs> ice time. Do you remember at Reunion, they would be doing their like taping and, and a bunch of the stuff in the hallway. 
Like yeah. just five feet yeah, away both, from the ice. Both teams did that. Yeah. Though down there. Yeah. I, I remember when we came in with the the Oilers and played a then exhibition game at Reunion Arena. Uh, they they didn't even know how they didn't have anything set up for us to get from where we dressed to the ice surface. <laughs> They had nothing. They didn't. They, they didn't realize that you're, you're going to have your skates on. They, I think they just thought back then uh, they'll probably put their skates on aside the rink, like you would at like the Galleria, right? <laughs> so they and then they laid down. I don't know what it was like particle board, and then it would get into the grooves of the guy's skates, and that it was it was not good. But it was a fun atmosphere. It was the first. Uh, you know, I think it was the first time. That they had a game, and obviously it was Wayne, not me, or maybe it was shared. Maybe they really wanted to have me play a game in Dallas, knowing that I was going to be here down the road. What do you think? Yeah, I, I yeah, think it was Gretzky. Good, it's, it was it's probably a good call, Gretzky. you know. And I think Jim Nill said, "Now this is a this is a guy you got to watch. This is a guy who's going to be big in broadcasting." Well, I scored a few goals on him, but he's going to be great yeah. in the in the booth. He obviously had a good scouting report on me, you know <laughs> he that. Did. He turned into a scout, and that was the, the first of his scouting. He went deep into the Western Hockey League goaltending uh, numbers and, and traits and knew how to beat me. Put the puck on, good chance it's going to go in. And, and that was the case in that one. So, What, uh, what else you got going on, Mike? Huh? Uh, uh, I, like, for some reason, I don't know why that game uh, yesterday just hit me about how – you get so wrapped up in one period. Like I was really depressed after that first period. Like maybe these guys really aren't that good and they don't know how to fix their problems. And then all of a sudden Jamie has a hit and they take off and they look more like the Dallas stars. And then all of a sudden at the end, you're going like, Oh crud, they lost in the shootout. And it's, yeah. I, I forget how much we get involved and maybe Twitter has a big role in this about the riding the roller coaster. Mike, you got to get off the soach every now and I then. Know. You gotta get I got to get off it. It's, and, uh, it, it, but it is interesting you, just how you get wrapped up in all this and are they good? Can they do this? And, uh, but that's what I started with Mike. Work. Yeah, I know it, it's, it's episodes of this. It's, it's a soap opera this year. It, it's, it's loves and love lost and hatred and what's going to happen next and what just happened. Yeah, and the characters it, are going to keep repeating themselves because you're seeing seeing the same teams over and over again. Yeah, you'll 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 understand the characters better. Yeah, they'll be def, they'll be defined uh, for you. And and look, the 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 power play was incredible at home and and the start. You knew that was not sustainable, and <laughs> but it was fun and record yeah. setting, and. You know, then it's just the way seasons go. And you, it's the old line. It's, you know, again, Eric Cole. He was so great. He said it so many times. The other team gets paid too. It's not yeah. just you. It's not just that your stuff falls off. They get paid to do their thing too. And their their penalty killing was excellent. And And the Stars, when they needed a power play goal, I mean, they scored a bushel in game number one. They didn't need them all. They needed one in overtime. They would have won the game. They couldn't. They couldn't uh, dial it up. They gave up a shorthanded goal. The, the game before, they couldn't kill a penalty. Prior to that, they were killing everything. Like it's just, it's the way it goes. And yeah. you fix one thing. That's why coaching must be maddening, and at the same time, 
uh, so fulfilling, right? Because you 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 have problems, and then you f- you fix them. You find a way to fix them, and then another problem pops up. Then you got to deal with that one. And then you got to deal with that one. I think I think bonus and the uh, stars coaching staff were were truly stunned by the performance in the first game in Raleigh. Like to have just a, a complete garbage can stinker from everyone, and and then to, like you say, you come out in the opening period thinking, okay, they're going to, they're going to have 18 shots on goal at the end of this period. And they had like three (laughs) and you're like, Oh, okay. And you look on the other side and you're thinking, well, those, those guys are missing a bunch of guys and this shouldn't be like this. And the stars didn't have to travel or anything. There's no fatigue. They, They got another player back tonight. They got two back last night. Like what's going on? Yeah, and then the epiphany. This is a very good epiphany. This is a needed epiphany team, the Dallas Stars, don't you think? And they have been. Like they they need. You go back to last year when they were, they were going down the turd tunnel, at at home, and they were struggling mightily. And then the the Alexander Radulov epiphany at the end of the period scores that goal. Just wouldn't give up. Unrelenting, tenacious. And then they go berserk in the third period, and then they took off. And some of the same stuff happened in the bubble. Like it was not going well in the early games in Edmonton. And game number one against Calgary didn't go very well. And then all of a sudden, man, they get a little confidence and a a little gust of wind. They don't even need a gale, just a little poof of wind in their sail, and away they go. They're they're like those. America's Cup thing where they're hanging off one an- <laughs> one side and they're slicing back and forth. Jib. I like the cut of their jib when they do that, Mike. Anyway. Their streaks are very, very powerful. Uh, when stra- they go I thought you were going to say their streaks are extremely streaky. <laughs> no, they are that. But, I mean, when they go on an uh, offensive positive streak, and we saw this last year, it's three, four, five goals sometimes. Um, they get, like you said, they do get that gust of wind and they get the momentum and as a team, as a group, they take off line after line after line. And it's, it's really cool to watch, but it's also frustrating when, you know, they're in the bad part of the uh, streak in the lull. When the, when the wind is calm, Daryl, it's not so much fun. I think they call that a lull. Yeah. 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 Quiet water. Here's another weird thing. Still get scurvy or something. One more weird thing. Uh, my wife is going like, uh, why is that guy's name Dougie? And I said, well, his dad's named Doug, so they probably call him Dougie. And he goes, why are they always talking about Dougie? They're just saying Dougie and Dougie and Dougie all over again. It's annoying. And I'm going like, he's a good player. They're going to call his name a lot. Well, we were annoying to your wife today or on yeah. the weekend? Well, that's normally, normally the case. It's mo- it was mostly Josh, but yeah, you were too. Dougie Hamilton. Is this, I wonder if his dad's name's Doug. It is. I looked it up. His dad's name is that Doug. what it is? He's Doug. Yeah, he's Doug I've heard, Jr. Yeah, I've heard. Well, instead of Doug Jr., you go Dougie. It's like at your dad's name is Bob. You're Bobby. Yeah. Right. They had a guy for yeah. Texas whose name was Bill Boy because his dad was Bill, and so somebody called him Bill. And he goes, "My name is Bill Boy," and you're like, "Okay." Huh. So yeah, that's your name growing up. That's your my, name. My dad's name was Jack. They didn't call me Jackass, so they should have. <laughs> well. Not, not that you knew it. <laughs> no, my dad's name was Ivor. Come on. Stop now. 
All right. Well, uh, Totsi, get ready for the cannon. Watch out for the cannon. Oh, good hopefully call. The stars, hopefully the stars can suppress the cannon. They won't be cannon fodder uh, up there in the, uh, in the old Buckeye State. Uh, let's close this chapter of Rinky Dinking presented by Choctaw Casinos and Resorts, shall we? Uh, we'll chew on those, those two games in the Buckeye State along with uh, matinee against the Hawks. Is that what's on the schedule this week, I think? Am I right? I can't, I can't even go that far ahead. Super Bowl oh, Sunday, 2 o'clock. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh, that's right. We're the, At home. We're the, we're the bowl of chips. We're the orchards for, for Mahomes and Brady. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be Kane, and, Kane and Ben. Kane and Pavelski. The Americans. What's more, what's more American than Super Bowl Sunday and Kane against Pavelski, Mike? Uh, there really isn't anything. Plus, aren't you guys going to do like a four-hour pregame show? That'll be great. <laughs> no, four-hour postgame show all through <laughs> <Okay>. the Super Bowl. <laughs> Look, we'll, an- we'll, we'll, answer, <laughs> we'll answer viewer mail. Uh, we'll break down the Super Bowl, I'm sure, next week uh, and talk about the greatness of Tom Brady. Uh, right now, the greatness of Jeff Totes has a lot, lot to do in, in uh, Columbus. And we'll get him to give some relationship advice as we stride through the love month next week. And Mike uh, will offer up his best hashtags of 2021 so far. Until then, as always, go Stars. Meet me down at the disco. I said D-I-S-C-O. Meet me down at the disco.